0: In the name of Jesus, amen. To brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus told a parable that seems to be very content with passing over one of the very few things that people both inside and outside of the church can actually agree on. It's kind of ugly inside of our walls. There are bad people in church. Not just like the run-of-the-mill, nobody's perfect sinners. We're comfortable enough with, you know, us. The weeds that have infested the church, they're, they're always a them. They're never in us. We're too used to our pet sins. They don't really bother us, at least not anymore, especially not like our neighbor's sins do. We're altogether too willing to justify the sins of the people that we love, not like the forgiven in Christ crucified kind of justify, not the rejoicing over right and true repentance kind either, the kind that's full of anything but Christ actually, the kind that's just full of excuses or blame to pass on to somebody else that we don't care quite so much for and comparisons with the real sinners who we're worried about. At least we're not them. We're so quick to Ignore our own sins and the sins of those that we love. I would rather talk about people that are not me. It's more fun. But as unconcerned as we so often are with our own sin, we're all altogether too aware of our neighbors. We measure the difference between the wheat and the weeds by the ugliness who got caught in scandal, who fell. Into temptation. We measure it by the pain that we feel. Because sometimes the sanctuary feels like anything but when it is ceased to be a shelter from abuse, from the damage that sin does in this creation, even from that last great enemy, death. So we measure it. By the shame that we have deep down when we have to face our neighbors who are outside of these walls, who see what happens in here and they laugh, they tell us something that we can't really respond to, but to throw a bigger rock, you call yourselves Christians. Look at what we do. Look at our own hypocrisy. And our response to them is almost always the same. The weeds are still a them. It could not be an us And so we're stuck trying to explain away and excuse away and blame other people for all of the pain that is caused within the walls of Christendom by sorting out us who would never do these things and them who aren't actually Christians when Jesus himself says they can't be sorted out until the last day anyway. It's ugly inside our walls. I don't like it. The wheat and the weeds together, they don't make for scenic fields. The sinners in church don't make for nearly as many motivational posters as we wish that they did. We don't even really need to spiritualize it all that much. You don't need to spend a lot of time imagining what the devil is up to when he wages spiritual warfare. Just look at his work. See the weeds. It's heartbreaking. It's infuriating. And it is so easy to obsess over. It just doesn't seem to bother this sower, like, nearly as much as the servants. And there is, I guess, at least for the sake of piety, I will call it a little weed planted deep down in my heart that is still really angry with God for just not caring all that much about it. The servants of the master, they call it like they see it. They say, hey, Jesus, your seed, it's not so great. This place is a mess. Why don't you go ahead and fix it? And he says, you know, the devil did it. Sin breaks stuff, makes a real mess. It's, it's ugly. The master is pretty cavalier about it, though. He says, just don't worry about it. It'll be sorted out later. It'll be taken care of on the last day when the souls are harvested, when the, the wheat is gathered into the barn, when the bodies of the righteous are raised to life immortal. And then that's it. End of parable. Next topic. It just doesn't really seem like a a satisfactory answer. And I wonder if it's that the disciples didn't understand the answer or if they just didn't like it so that they go and ask him for an explanation. But Jesus tells them the seed was good. The evil one did this. Fine. But like, still, we should probably fix it, right? You, you You could fix it, right, Jesus? Just like get rid of the weeds on account of being God- Give me that perfect field, that pretty scenic image, that life without anybody to hurt me, especially anybody who would actually call themselves a Christian while they did it, and he could. He could just get rid of any single sinner who has actually caused pain and misery to another. It's real simple. He could root out every single weed in the church, everyone who has ever committed a sin against another. It would just mean uprooting the wheat too, because getting rid of all the sinners is getting rid of all of you. Me too. The law convicts us all. And you can say, don't worry about it, but we're endlessly frustrated with it. There will be a last day. That's great, but I still have to get through this one. And it makes any kind of resolution to what's wrong seem very far away because what are we supposed to do down here until the Lord finally comes back? So most of my prayers, they are really just sort of, you know, fix it. God, fix this situation right now, please. Just get me through today. How can the church actually last with so many weeds down here? How can the plants grow next to the weeds that the last parable just got done telling us would choke them out? This will not work unless you fix it right now. Here, do it my way. I know how. My prayers are so focused on what's wrong that I skip the most important part of the words that I'm taught to pray when I pray because I'm supposed to start by praying Our Father art in heaven. And with these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. You see, God actually loves you enough not simply to reward those who have done good and punish those who have done evil, but to name himself as your father and to draw near enough to hear you. God actually loves you enough to be present to help. This is not about what's wrong. This is about who is there to help when it is. And the parable, the parable actually gives this away. The parables, they contain the secrets to the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus says. And if it contains the secrets to the kingdom of God, how you are to inherit the kingdom of God, you're not going to get there by the law. You're not going to get there by what you do. By works of the law, no one will be made righteous. If this parable contains the secrets to the kingdom of God, it has to be, it can only be about the gospel. You are not saved by your works. You are saved by Jesus. You want to do this by the law? Everything will be rooted up, you too. But our Lord saves sinners. He saves me. He saves you. He draws near to do it. He bears the cross. See, when everything has gone wrong, when the wheat and the weeds are together, when everything looks like a mess, that's actually where our Lord enters. He comes into this creation. He does not stand back in the heavens and reward those who have behaved better than the rest or at least come up with good excuses. He dies for you and your sins are forgiven. All of them. Every time you have hurt Your brother or sister in Christ, your sins are forgiven because Jesus died for you. For every bitter word, for every bitter feeling, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus has died for you. This is the separation. This is the one great thing. Jesus says, look at that. Look at where I am planting my word. Look at where I am gathering my harvest. It is where the word is preached. It is where the master is. You receive the God who makes himself present within this creation for you. He does not insist that you build a perfect church to find salvation. He descends and dwells among sinners and forgives them. So don't worry. Sit in the field. Know that he is the Lord. Stop looking at the weeds. Stop looking at anything but the promise. Stop looking at anything but the cross. And then you can actually rejoice about the rest even when it's still a mess. Because the wheat will be gathered into the barn since Jesus died for sinners, for you, for me, that we would be his own. And even mixed together with the weeds, the wheat still happens to be wheat. Even in a world that looks like this, you are still the redeemed. Even in a church that behaves like we so often do, Christ is still risen. The joy of the kingdom of heaven is that it can be a mess. It's a good thing. I don't think I would actually fit in if it was as clean as we like to imagine it. But I know that I belong here. That font tells me so. I am God's child baptized right there. We get so focused on the weeds, we lose sight of that. We get so focused on what's wrong, we miss the simplest, most wonderful truth about the church. The master is still actually in the field, he is with the servants, even when things look like a mess. So, when the servants do the right thing, when they go to Jesus and complain because they actually trust him, they they say, Hey, this, this shouldn't be. Isn't your word good? You made us promises. They trust God enough to seek him out because they actually expect good from him. He's there. And the fullness of the law becomes more than a curse, it becomes the first commandment in hope a God, the God, with you. It is the second commandment in word and truth and it is even the third commandment in location god present among sinners to forgive and save god is the source of all good so we gather around him because he promised to be here that we would have a measure of his mercy his health and his life you don't have to ignore sin in the church you shouldn't ignore sin in the church but rather look to the present help within it where he addresses it to forgive it his word his sacraments Help is not found in the perfect world we don't actually have or a perfect congregation we can't actually build, but it is found in Jesus, who sits on this altar for you week after week in his body and his blood to forgive you, to forgive me. There is mercy here. Even for sinners like us, it lets us deal with the final, the end of the explanation, that whole weeping and gnashing of teeth bit can finally now be addressed. Because now, even when you find yourself as one of the sinners, one of those who has not done what is righteous, who has not done what is good, who has hurt those around them, You can still call yourself righteous first because Jesus died for you. That's actually what makes you righteous. Jesus died for you. You are baptized. You are forgiven. That is what makes you righteous. And so there is no hell for you. You are the one who Christ bears so that he might gather you in on that last great day. Until then, rejoice. The master is still among us. In the name of Jesus.